live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. I apologized on the sports show. If you didn't listen to that, I'll apologize here. If I sound weird, I'm fighting allergies or a head cold or something, and it's kicking my ass right now. Holy shit. So if I sound weird, that's why. Apologies. Pad is popping allergy medicine left and right because he's trying to struggle to get through yeah. the show for you because that's how much he's dedicated to you, the ODPH Society. It took like a day to kick in. It's finally kicking in, and oh, my God. Yes, the weather in upstate New York is not helping matters. No, because a little, little peek behind the curtain, as you, some of you might remember, we had to delay the show, what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Because we had a fucking... 10-inch snowstorm come through. Yeah. And then the following week, it was sunny and fucking like 70 outside. Yeah. And now it's cloudy and like 42 if we're lucky. And it's a winter weather advisory on top of that. Like literally, there was a there was a calendar week. We had literally all four seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Yes. It's absolutely insane, but we are used to it here in the 607. So we are getting through the show. Everybody is good as can be. We got the medicine. We're taking that. So we are trying to get here and give you the most content we can because it's the entertainment edition. There's lots to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. And we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there, including your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, who's celebrating a birthday this week. Hey. You can also check out the T Public store. The biggest sale that I've been a part of being in with T Public. Uh huh. Items are up to 40% off. Wow. 40. Wow. So there, there is no excuse right now not to go get some podcast swag from us, 3FN, 30 and Nerdy, all the fam that is on T Public because they're doing some great things there. So this is a perfect time. But our links are right there, and they'll take you right there. So if you want to get that Parlay Club shirt, you want to get the Pads Dealing logo, they're all right there. Also remember Parlay Points, new comics blogs out this week. Stacked lineup at the shelves this week. Stacked lineup. Got to talk about that. Yeah. But that's what we have odphpodcast.com for. So make sure to check it out. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag odphpod. But kicking off the entertainment edition of the show, we have to recap. I don't like to say the triumphant return Uh because they only took a week off. It's only a week. But still, when the show is this good, it feels like forever. Yes. But then all of a sudden we click on Tuesday nights and lo and behold, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's the CW's best show, and that is Superman and Lois. Which also, happily, got renewed for season three. Yeah, a lot of early renewals for the CW, which, I mean, that's nothing too crazy. No, they do that a lot. They do that a lot. Flash got renewed, that was probably the biggest shock that I thought. Yep, Flash got renewed, All-American got re- renewed, Riverdale got renewed, although I read what's going on in that show, that's getting weird these days. Yeah, that's the epitome of let's get weird. Notably absent from the renewals as of yet are both Batwoman and then Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, so we are staying on top of that. We'll be uh, retweeting the news if and when that happens. So definitely a lot of stuff going on with the CW. But the new franchise has taken over the Arrowverse. And man, oh man, did they ever come back with a strong episode. 
If you haven't been watching Superman and Lois for whatever reason, you can stream season one on HBO Max. Season two is on the CW. You definitely want to make sure to check this out because if you have been sitting there questioning why we hype this up each and every week, yeah. they have really captured the essence of Superman. Tyler Hoechlin is making a good run for being the best Superman of all time. Uh-huh. This is a legit statement. This is not any fluff piece. He is doing a lot of great work on the show. Elizabeth Tolick playing Lois Lane. She's crushing it as well. The whole Kent family is doing great things. And they're twisting the mythos of Superman. And I love how they're kind of modernizing it, but still borrowing elements from the classics and, and merging it into a really fun show. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of that, and this episode really kind of dives into a little bit of everything with that. So that said, we are going to be recapping the episode of Superman and Lois, the triumphant return, if you will. I, like I say, it's weird saying that, but it's called Into Oblivion. If you have not seen this episode and you don't want to get spoiled, we give you fair warning now. Pause the episode of the podcast right here. Jump in after you catch up with it. Because once we get going, we don't like to stop because we like to really break down the greatness of the show. Yeah. So that being said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? Thought it was a really good episode, all things considered. There wasn't any point in the show where I was kind of like tuning out, looking at my phone, like wondering, all right, when's this scene going to be over? So from start to finish, I'd say it was a really solid episode. They did a really good job of incorporating everybody. Yeah. See, this is something that they have such a stacked cast. And I know like in comparison, we'll be talking about The Walking Dead. When you have a cast that's this big, a lot of times we don't see everybody on screen. Right. And it's a shame because they do have some great stories going on. I was extremely happy to see John Henry Irons and Natalie back because we haven't seen them in a little while. No, it's been a hot minute. It has. And I know that we've been focusing a lot on on Jonathan's uh, dabbling into superhero steroids. Right. Which has been a very unique story, and I, I definitely think it's been one of the stronger elements of the show. But we haven't seen a lot of that, and, and this was the first time that we've seen – the whole Jordan and Sarah romance come back to full force, but it wasn't overwhelming. And I think that that was a really good play too. I looked it up. Uh, We have not seen, this is episode eight. We have not seen John since uh, episode four. Yeah, because I know they're trying to to sell the injuries, and, and rightfully so, because he ran into Bizarro, right? And obviously Bizarro overtook him and really put him in the in a lot of bad shape. Yeah, oh yeah, he was in a coma, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So as they start with this episode, we get caught up on how Natalie crossed over to our timeline because if anybody's not familiar with, yep, Natalie and John are from an alternate timeline. We'll call it the Injustice Universe. Yes, because there injustice happened. <laughs> Superman was evil, destroying everybody, killed Lois Lane, who was married to John Henry Irons on that universe. So we do get the backstory of how Natalie came over and how she wakes up on a ship that is literally lost in space. Uh She's trying to track down John. Right. Having a lot of problems doing it, too. Well, because she's chasing her dad, and she's got some sort of like artificial intelligence, Jarvis-like thing, helping her out. Or maybe Friday, because it was like a female t- voice. I'll say it's like Friday mm-hmm. uh, from the MCU. You know, she's chasing after her father, but she just can't catch up. And then a temporal anomaly starts coming her way. And they never said it, but I'm going to ask it. Was this Crisis? I think so. They never said it. They never did. That's they a ju- great catch, though. They just said, oh, a temporal anomaly is approaching us, and everything seemed to be vanishing from existence. So I kind of looked at it and went, is this supposed to be during crisis? Well, it would make a lot of sense if you really break it down, and I'm, I'm glad you caught that because I was in there trying to recap. I'm going, okay, where are we going with this? Yeah. And obviously crisis, we never really dabbled into 
other realms of, right. the, of the multiverse because it's always been kept on the universes that were involved with the shows. Right. So to see this come about, I mean, that's a great way to bring them in because they are all connected into post-crisis right. t- the uh, timeline, like however yeah. you wanted to find that. Yeah. Is. So that was a great way to break it down because when Natalie is coming over, we're all like, okay, how is this getting figured out? Because then when she finally shows up, she's you know extremely happy to see her dad. Right. She's not happy in present day because John is still dealing with the effects of the battle with Bizarro. Yeah. And Natalie is really having a problem forgiving our Superman. Right. And we also find out that one of the effects uh, John is suffering as a result of his fight with uh, Bizarro is he's forgotten everything since before he showed up on uh, our Earth, I guess you could say. Yeah, that was Whoa. an interesting plot twist there. Yikes, because you see him there, it's like, oh, hey, he's got a bump, he's got a bandage on his head. Understandable. And they start talking, and then he starts talking about, oh, I can't ready to leave with my two favorite ladies. And you go, oh, hey, yikes. Yeah, which is awkward. Very awkward, but it's going to add for some more drama on the show and I, how they're going to do it off. I, I have full faith in him. Yeah. Like everything they've been doing with the John Henry Irons, Lois Lane romance yeah. from another earth. That has been done very well. Wally yes. Parks has been absolutely crushing it as John Henry Irons. And to see how he's kind of counterplaying off Elizabeth Tolick is very interesting. And just to see how this is all going to be going, Taylor Buck, who plays Natalie Irons, she is. this was the first episode she really got to sink her teeth into, yeah. I felt, and really ran with it. And I want to see more of her on this show because I think she does a great job. And we do go from there and kind of how they're setting up their story. Right. Because at this point, they're all living with the Kents. Yep. And that house is getting very crowded and a lot of drama is unfolding there. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things we have is Lois's sister, Lucy, is missing. Yep. And obviously, we know that she was connected with the Doomsday cult leader, Allie. Yep. And that whole mess has gotten to a whole different level because Lieutenant Anderson is now working with Allie uh-huh. and has the mysterious pendants, which are allegedly these power amulets that can open up the world and make it whoever is holding them into a god. And he's on quite the power trip I haven't seen since I don't know when. Yeah. He's, Good Lord. He is fully embracing. Like It's just this weird thing that he has about not being... The Superman of our our universe. I feel like he's on. If things were to like go continue unhindered, he'd become like a mix. And I'm not talking power wise. I'm just talking like personality wise. He'd be a mix of Omni Man and uh and uh, a home runner or uh, Homelander. Homelander. It could be because he is just that manipulative. And he's getting manipulated, and he and I just feel like he's coming off like I'm the greatest thing to ever happen since sliced bread. Kneel before me. Yeah, like I said, he th- he's thinking that, but he's getting worked by Allie. Like that's the whole oh thing God, about yeah. it. Like like a, it, like a fiddle. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to see this because now Allie is saying, "Well, we got the pendants. We can now go to Ascension." Well, she even puts him through her whole magic mumbo jumbo where he quote unquote feels the ascension or whatever the fuck it is where it's like oh you're gonna talk to my pre my other self and oh my god i believe it i trust you i am in your power ah yeah like i say he has become a very complex character cocaine's a hell of a drug kids seriously something gotta be going on there because he is absolutely out of his damn mind and once uh sam lane catches this he is now back in duty at the DOD. Right. Well, temporarily. Temporarily, but he's like, okay, I have to come out of retirement yeah. to go do this. Yeah. And while he's trying to figure out what's going on, obviously, with Lucy, because there's a lot of weird messages she's sending out, he knows that, obviously, Anderson's on the run. 
the, he also gets a message from Chrissy. Yep. Now that is Lois Lane's reporter at the new uh, newspaper in Smallville. Right. So whatever their their, co- their yeah, collaboration is going there. Yeah. And Chrissy has already danced around Allie's group before. Uh-huh. Dabble with it. Started to believe in it real heavily. Yeah. And now she got out, but she's going back. Just when I thought I'm out, they pulled me back in. Yeah, it's a very interesting storyline they're doing with her. And I like that she actually got some time to really see what this whole deal is about. Because with her character, it's been kind of like, all right, I, we know you're connected to Lois. Yeah. You know you're doing this. But let's see what you're going to do in this situation. And what you're going to bring. Yeah. yeah. And Sophia Hamzik, who plays her, did a, re- did a very good job with this role, yeah. too. Because... You see that she's kind of like dabbling on the on the fence to the viewer uh-huh. of like, are you with Allie or are you not? Right. And as they go into the mine where this is all coming back to where Bizarro was, this is where the ex-Kryptonite is. Still lying with lead. Yeah, it's still a very interesting setup that I think that we don't know the full story behind the mines. I don't know if we're ever going to. Probably not. And she gets to the mines because she gets a call from either uh, Allie or one of her cronies. I don't remember who. Those are one of the cronies. Calls calls her and says, hey, we have an opportunity for you to have the story of the century. And she contacts Lois and she goes, hey, I've got blah, blah, blah. With Allie, don't worry. I'll be fine. If anything goes wrong, I'll call you. I'll get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. She goes, okay. Well, and I'm sitting here watching, going, oh, this is going to be like the next day. Or this is going to be in a few hours. She hangs up the phone, walks out the door where their office is in central Smallville or wherever the hell. Yeah. Is, you know, wherever the hell it is. And they're waiting right there and rolls down the window and the crony's like, hey, are you in? Yeah, I'm in. All right. Give me your phone. Hi, one red red flag going off in my head. Yeah. She's kind of skeptical and nervous. But she finally agrees to it, opens the sliding door of this van. And there are like four or five people in the back of this van wearing hazmat suits. Yeah. Hi, second red flag going off. I would have been running in the other direction at this point. And she goes, they're wearing hazmat suits. And the guy just looks at her and goes, yeah, is that going to be a problem? And she just says nothing and gets right in. Well, I think at this point, she is really focused on finding out what's going on here. Right. And it's one thing that if you have that journalistic instinct to dig into the story, like no matter what the cost is. Sure. It's a weird thing, but we've seen this in in other circumstances where it's like if you're really trying to get into that story, you, you throw caution to the wind. Do you think she's trying to make it up to Lois? Because she kind of kind of like the obviously Lois had a hand in blowing the cover of the whole story the first time around. But do you do you think she feels guilty with the story getting blown the first time around that she's throwing caution to the wind, going, "Listen, I have to make this up for her. I have to get this story no matter what." I think it's a little bit of that, and I think it's a little bit of her thinking that she needs to do this to get on Lois's level. Uh, because yeah. I mean they've kind of danced around that a little she, bit. She is a little jealous, it feels. Yeah, there is a little jealousy there. It's not overbearing. It's not like an obsessive thing by any means. But you can definitely tell that it's sort of in the same sense of like your older sibling. You're trying to get yeah. their attention, and yeah. you're pulling on their shirt to you know, yeah. say, "Hey, look at me." It's kind of like in that sense, yeah. But not so much that it's like overbearing, right? Because at this point, she gets in the van, and like I say, Lois lets Sam know. Superman is now aware of the situation, so like everybody's going to the mines. And then you have Allie, who has all the pendants, yep. opening the portal to Bizarro World. They, what did they, they called it the uh, something verse? The inver- it was like the inverse? The inverse or something, yeah. Which I'm like, I don't exactly know if I like that or not. Like yeah. that's it, it, it not like, a great name, but Bizarro came from it. He's the opposite. He's the inverse of Superman. Yeah, yeah. It like, wor- it, like it, it makes sense. But not was, the greatest name, but it works. See, I was waiting for it to be the Phantom Zone. 
Ooh. See, I was banking Ooh. on this. That I was like, okay, they're gonna go open the Phantom Zone. Bizarro was in there. That'd have been some shit if he then confronted. If that was the Phantom Zone, Clark finds out what the Phantom Zone is because to this point, the Phantom Zone has never been mentioned. I think. Correct. You know, that would have been some shit if he found, Clark finds out what the Phantom Zone is and where it came from, and then he goes to confront the hologram of his mother at his brother's. Uh, fortress and goes what the fuck yeah like i said oh that would have been good that would i thought would have been a little better because not that this was a bad scene but i was like okay we see the portal is now open and the cult members are walking for it Allie's like now congratulations you're gonna get to ascension yeah you're, you're gonna merge with your other so we finally find out what these other selves are you're gonna merge with your she her belief is that because it's a parallel universe there's a there's a you in this universe and there's a you on the other side of the universe and when you cross that ethereal plane, you know you're gonna merge with yourself from the other universe. If you can't see my tinfoil hat is on, yeah, you know. And so she's like, yeah, we're gonna cross over and merge with our other selves. And I'm like, yo, this tea is too strong. Absolutely. And you start seeing that these members are are now floating into this big portal. And they love it at first. They're like, oh, this is wonderful. It, you know, it's like this scene from uh, Interstellar towards the end where Matthew Ghanai is floating Thank in the sky. Thank you. That's the movie I was trying to think of what it was. Yeah, like it, it reminded me of Interstellar where like he's floating into the sky. He's like, ah, oh, bright, smiling, bright lights. And then they realize, oh, shit, this isn't what we signed up for. Yeah, and you start seeing members get disintegrated. Uh-huh. And now you see Chrissy is there, and she is losing her mind. Yep. Because she does I'm, not want in. Yeah, because she's like, I wait, wait, wait. Like, this is not what I expected. And Allie is kind of, it's weird how she is. Because uh-huh. she's acting like she didn't know this was going to happen. Right. But I was wondering, it's like she did. I think she had a sneaking suspicion. She. It's one of those things, like, in a ex- science experiment. Like, the first attempt is never the correct one. Almost never is the correct one. Look at Thomas Edison. You know, in, in the light bulb. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if this was, she knew, she had an idea what the inverse, you know, dimension was. Needed to figure out how to get there. And they were simply the guinea. She never had any intention of going there. Because you notice, she kind of, she kind of shepherded, ever, like a sheep herder, everyone forward to start walking into the, towards the portal. And they got sucked into, the, they started getting sucked into the, into the air. She never made any movement towards that no. damn thing. Like, as gung-ho as she was about crossing into this dimension, she never took one willing step forward to go in there herself. Like, you would have figured some megalomaniac like her would have been the first damn one through the friggin' portal. Never made a step towards it. So I'm thinking she wasn't sure what would happen. And, hey, you're my test subjects to figure out what the hell's going to happen so that I don't die. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I thought that she waited there and was going, okay, I don't know where we're going to go. Right. But this is going to get kind of messy. So I I thought how they played it off was very well. And then Superman comes flying in at the last minute. He saves Chrissy and he saves one more person. Great special effects. Yeah. This was where, like, you can definitely tell in Superman and Lois, there's one scene per episode. Uh-huh. They go all in about the special effects. Also, I'm going to need somebody to take this scene and then super and cut, super uh, impose or cut in the Tokyo Drift music. Because he did a couple Tokyo Drifts through there. Yes, Yo. he did. But he winds up saving two of the, the uh-huh. cult members. Everybody else is gone except Allie. Yep. And then Chrissy was like, you didn't save anybody else. Yeah. Like that was, and it's, and it kind of would be like at this point, like, listen, he would have, but he got, he found out what was going on because they were tracking him down. They figured out, you know, uh, what was it? The Lois's father figured out that put two and two together. They discovered that the pendants were missing. They figured out that, Oh, Anderson must've took him. 
Then they it was kind of like, like Lucy was missing, so like everything Lucy, started coming with. Like it. they started connecting the dots. Oh, I mentioned Allie to him. Do you think he made contact with him? Oh, maybe. You know. Oh, then they make a uh, because uh, you know uh, Lois's father is the interim head of you know the division or whatever. Calls to the mines. The the team down there isn't answering. Oh, they must be at the mines. Clark gets there. It's lined with lead. He can't see. He has to hear and figure out. Which let's face it, that's not the most accurate way for him to figure out where stuff is. Mm-hmm. So I get her criticism that like. You only saved this many of us, but, like, lady, there was, like, four or five walls in front of him that he had to get around to figure this out. Yeah. Like, I understand it's the initial reaction, but it's kind of like, pump the brakes. Yeah. Like, I I understand what they were trying to do because they were trying to emphasize about, like, oh, you didn't save everybody. Where's Lucy? Like, they were trying to tell it. They telegraphed that a little bit. If there's one thing I, I'm going to complain about for yeah. this episode, but it, it, t- it doesn't take away from my overall sure. experience with it. Sure. They telegraphed everything with Lucy Lane in this in this episode. Eh, a little bit. I mean, for me, we'll get to it in a minute. I was convinced she was dead. No, see, like, I thought that she wasn't because I'm going, okay, she's been too big of a part of this show this uh-huh. season. They wouldn't just write her off like that. Like, yeah. like there would be something else. Like, yeah. I figured that Allie would have had her captive somewhere. Sure. But then I'm going, like, when I'm watching this, I'm going, okay, she's definitely not dead because they've wasted too much time trying to figure it out. Even though they did have some great scenes with Sam. Sure. Interviewing Allie at the DOD. Oh, he's going to get in trouble for that one. He definitely is. But I tell you what, that was one of the best scenes that they've had on this show. And to see that Dylan Walsh was really going with that emotion, like, I understand that he's supposed to be "quote unquote" retired, yeah. But he's one of the best characters on this show. Like, I, uh-huh. hope, I hope that he's like, okay, I'm done retiring. I'm. And I'm I back don't in. know if he's actually a father. You know, I'm not going to assume one way or the other. But like, if he is, he, I feel like he channeled some real fatherly emotion in that whole sequence. Oh, absolutely. Yo, his back and forth with Allie was great, and obviously, just the desperation. Like, we can't find Lucy. Where, like, it goes from tell it. It's a brilliant scene because it goes from tell me where they are. Allie knows how to push his buttons and she's pushing them so effectively. It goes from tell me where everyone is to where's my daughter. Yeah, like Raya Kilstead, who plays Allie, she did a great job and she her back and forth with most of the characters on the show has been really, really excellent too. Yeah. Because she is just sitting there just like toying around and just trying to mess with his head the entire time. Reminding me a little bit of the uh Dark Knight interrogation sequence with Joker and Batman. A little bit. A little bit. Not in like the full spectrum of things, but just the way Batman interviewed Joker and Joker turned it on him. Same way with, with, you know, Sam, you know, and interviewing Allie and Allie turned it back on him. Yeah. But then later in the episode, Lucy shows up at the Lane Kent's house. This is after Sam is like emotionally inconsolable. Right. Like broken heart. Like I'm going to have to live with that for the rest of my life. You tried telling me Allie was a bad person and she was in a bad place and I wouldn't live and I wouldn't listen. Yeah. Jenna Dewan shows up playing Lucy and gives like this weird excuse of where she's been. Yeah. And this is when I'm going like, I, Amelia, I didn't buy this. Yeah. I didn't buy this. I'm like, okay, she's obviously possessed by Allie or she's going to have powers. Like one of the two things is going to happen here. And as they go with the episode, she winds up, you know, giving this whole spiel about, like, oh, she wants to get back with the family and, you know, like, I didn't mean to do this to everybody and blah, blah, blah. So Sam goes back with her to her apartment and they try having a father-daughter talk. Yeah. But at this time, Uh Allie strikes via Lucy. Yep. Sam. Spiked his drink. Is spiked. 
and then Allie takes his DOD card. Yep. So that is an interesting story. That Say, they, saying what was I was the backup plan in case things didn't work out. Yeah, which I was like, okay, that that's a brilliant thing. But like I said, I thought they telegraphed that just a little bit. Like I was like, the amount of time they spent mourning, quote unquote, yeah. Lucy, I'm like, okay, she's not dead. Yeah. I think if they just cut to it quick and went to like one of the kids' stories, sure, I thought would have been a little stronger. Sure. But like I said, I'm not too mad because I mean the other side characters of this episode. Uh-huh. Lana was talking with Kyle about yep. the the um, debate that's going on in town. Yep. So that wasn't really a big moment. Yeah. We got a little bit of Jordan and Sarah's romance again too. Yeah. And now how Aubrey, the girl from camp, is involved and hey. yeah, like I mean that's the high school drama, which like awkward. I said, awkward, but it made sense though. Yeah. Completely all right with it because. This tied into probably the biggest uh, story they have going right now, and one of the best, and that's Jonathan Kent on super steroids. You goddamn drug addict. Seriously, Jordan Elsass. We sing his praises each week, and he keeps delivering on this. I knew there was a reason I liked this kid. I saw on social media, maybe about a month ago, he was at a panel. He met another Lois and Clark. Erica Durant and Tom Welling Ooh. from Smallville. Also did an interview where he said he binged all of Smallville and prepped for this show. Uh, my hat off to you, sir. Yeah, we got to go, we gotta try getting him on the show. Uh, we sing his praises enough. He should definitely swing on through. But his whole storyline is obviously he was kicked off the football team, but they go a step further. Uh-huh. The season is wiped out. Yeah, they're, Clark's having a hard because, oh, my God, I love this scene. Clark and Lois are debating who's going to talk to the boys and really read them the riot act. And, how, Ken, how do they settle who's going to uh, have the sit-down talk with the boys? Rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Rock, paper, scissors. Clark loses, and he goes, every time. Come on, dude. You're Superman. You should be able to figure this shit out. Yes. They have a sit-down conversation, and we find out that Jonathan is going to be allowed to continue at school. However, only in online classes, and that if he hands in everything on time, he will not lose a grade. So he's got that going. But he go, and then Clark brings up, well, the football season's over. And he goes, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? He goes, you know, football season's over because we had to forfeit all of our wins because people were on drugs. And rather than face the blowback of continuing and the and the bad press that's going to bring on, the principal decided to cancel the football season. You know what? And and if you don't understand how big of that is. Oh. That moment is big because if you go anywhere in the Midwest, South, in the United States, Friday Night Lights is a big deal. If you're one of our, if you're one of our U.S. listeners, you'll understand it. But if you're one of our international listeners, go to Google Images and Google Image search Texas high school football stadiums. Yes, you will see what I mean. Exactly. Even though this is set in Kansas, it's still the same vibe. Uh huh. Canceling high school football in that region of the United States is a big deal. Clark even brings up, he's like, yeah, it's the first time ever that yeah. this has happened. Yes. There's been many movies that have illustrated this point. Uh huh. And rightfully so. And this is not a knock no. by any stretch of the imagination. No. But if you are from the U.S., you understand this. If you're an international listener, we highly recommend Google search that. You will understand why this is such a big deal. Just want to point out one thing. Uh, the Smallville football team took drugs, had their season canceled. The Houston Astros cheated, won a championship, and got fuck all. Let him know, Pat. Just want to point that out. Fuck the Astros. Let him know. Let him know. But Jonathan is now working a job at a convenience store. Uh-huh, as a penance and a way to make up for things. But you know what? I applaud him because yeah. he, he's, he's owning the situation. He's not well, ducking it. Well, 
He's partially owning it. He's partially owning he, it. He's taking responsibility for what he did, but when it comes to his parents trying to figure out what the fuck happened and who was involved so that they can get to the bottom of this, he's tighter lipped than a fucking clam. But he's holding he's, he's he's holding everything together for his girlfriend. Like listen, relationship goals. Yeah. Seriously, because he could have just snitched on Candace and and everything would have been fine. But no, because he's like, I believe in her. I have full faith that she is actually a good person, even though she's dealing kryptonite. Reasons, folks. Let's roll. Yeah. And then we find out that apparently her supplier shows up in school. Hey. Because, well, that's not weird. No. Not at all. Although, what did they said at one point that... When when Jonathan finds out about it, he was someone who went there but was kicked out a year prior. I think it was either like it was either that year or the year prior he was kicked out of school. So it wasn't totally out. It it would have been weird for faculty to see him and go, "Hey, what are you doing here? You don't go here anymore." But not totally weird for him to be there. See, he looked a little older than high school, like even well, more the than actor. the kids. Yeah, I, was, I know, I know, he's the actor. Let's, but I'm going. Let's not forget, Tobey Maguire in Spider Man One was a 30 year old playing a 17 year old. No, no, I grant you. But when I saw him on screen, I'm like, oh wait, so no one's gonna stop this guy running through the halls? Like yeah. you don't realize he shouldn't be there. I digress because it played a part later because Jordan. Winds up making the save. Yeah, well, he's he's on his way to dinner with uh, his girlfriend and her friend, whatever mm. you want to call it. The third, the third, the, the third uh, wheel, the third wheel. You know, and he's walking, getting ready to go to the diner. You know, he only and he kind of blames Jonathan for having to go to this dinner because he's like, listen, I wouldn't have agreed to this, but I got distracted by your girlfriend's conversation. So he's going to the dinner. He hears he hears like an alarm going off. I think Jonathan set off his his panic button in an attempt to get his father, but his father was busy. So Jonathan or Jordan picked up on it. Yeah, foot ran all the way there. He hasn't gotten super speed yet, so it's not like he could be there in the blink of an eye. Had to foot run there uh, and goes in to make the save because how dumb are are John or Jonathan and his girlfriend? Uh, what's her name? Sarah or Candace? Candace? Like they're walking. Oh, here, let me walk you home. Walking down, like, and I can hear the fucking car rolling up and the lights aren't on. And they turn around and go, "Oh no!" I'm like, "Dumbasses, you didn't Smile's hear that." Smile's a weird place, man. Yeah. Like, like logic is thrown out the window a lot. Like, like I hear the car rolling up, and I'm, before I even saw it, I'm like, "Yo, you guys don't hear this?" No, I know they don't see it, but the the drug dealer was coming back to look Candace for her money or yep. or whatever the deal was going on there. And Jonathan, to his credit, is trying to fight him, but as soon as the guy gets out, he's popping X kryptonite. Uh huh. He knows he has no shot. Then you see Jordan come and make the save. The hood is up, looking looking like a young uh, Clark Kent. Yup the 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 imagery right there was like, oh, this is old school Clark. Let's uh-huh. go. They wind up having a really great fight. Yeah. I gotta admit this, like Jordan's been practicing. Was good all that time with General Lane is now paying off. He winds up knocking him onto his own car oh, through the air. Yeah, held and an then, uppercut. And then I love Jonathan after. You come near Candace again, I'm going to send him after you. <laughs> like, I love that. It was just like. It was cheesy, but it was awesome. Oh, my God. It was so cheesy. It's but like, you see this guy? You ever come near her again for any reason whatsoever? I'm going to send him after you. Got it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was perfect. It was perfect. I loved that scene. I, I completely marked out. And then just to wind down the episode, two, going back, we do get Natalie accepting what's going on with John, finally. Like, you get the whole backstory of how yeah. she got there. Yeah. Six months she's been lost in space. So there was a lot of time that went by. Yep. But they wind up basically saying, listen, we're just going to start life away from you. Whatever it's going to be with this earth, 
they go to their own apartment, which kind of looks like they have a garage nearby. Yeah, it was something that Clark had a friend who had a place that was. It's a weird situation. I don't know how the hell they didn't. Smallville. Point. Smallville. Reason. He knew somebody who had an open place that they were looking to fill, so he was like, "Hey," which is, I think, if I remember right, early in the season or end of last season, was what they wanted to do anyway. Was they wanted to leave and go get their own place, but Clark's like, "No, stay here. We got plenty of room." Yeah, but now this is a good breakaway that I think now you're going to see the real steel costume get made. Yeah. Or at least a more modernized version of his armor. Like, you'll see everything come back full circle with them. I'm excited to see what's going to happen there. Overall thoughts on the episode, Pat? Great episode. Loved every minute of it, like I said. Uh, Excited to see where things go. And if if I could do a little wish list, can we make one of the steel costumes or one of the prototype steel costumes look like the one from the animated series, please? Give it to me. I'm here for it. No, I thought they came back with a really good episode. Like, they touched upon enough with everybody. That like this is how the pacing of the show should be, with you're gonna have yeah. this many casts. Yeah, because the two because you gave enough time to your two biggest stories, and that's the Doomsday Cult. Yep, and Jonathan's story. Everybody else has another everything going on too, but I like how they're just kind of setting up. It wasn't so overbearing that everybody got some time to shine. Great return episode for him. Next week's looks really interesting. Yeah. Not sure what's going to happen there, but... All we know is the title of it is 30 Days and 30 Nights. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. But ODPH Society, we gave you our takes on Superman and Lois, episode 8, Into Oblivion. Excellent episode, but we want to hear yours. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Superman and Lois? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello everyone, my name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen and I'm also the host of the annual Livestream for the Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to talk some Walking Dead. Zombies! Zombies are taking over. A lot of interesting things happening in the second part of the last season of 24 episodes. The second, third. Yeah, I I, I feel like I'm doing Steiner math <laughs> when trying to explain this. because. The show that never ends and never will end because it's going to spin off into a million and one other things is now dropping some new episodes explaining the Brave New World storyline from the books and their own interpretation. Yep. Season 11 of The Walking Dead has been an interesting one, to say the least, thus far. I'm not sure if I'm a f- super fan of how they're doing this, the yeah. 8, 8, 8, and 8, because it's getting kind of confusing. Feel, like, it feels like they're deliberately dragging out, but yeah, whatever. But it is what it is. We've gotten this far in the land of zombies, Rick, Daryl, Carol, and everybody else involved in the mix. So let's go talk about the latest episode entitled Warlords, shall we? Yeah. You know the deal by now, Page Society. After the countdown, it's spoiler time. Pause if you need to. Jump in if you haven't. 
Because here we go in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? Uh, if I had to watch it twice, the first time was because of all the time jumps, a little, little hard to track. Once I watched it the second time, though, made full sense. Otherwise, uh, great episode. Thought it was really good. This episode has a lot of stuff going on. Uh-huh. And you, like you touched upon, there's a lot of time jumping happening here. It's not exactly Run Lola Run-esque. No. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. But there is a lot of like piecing together how we got from point A to point B because we we're going to Z, then X, then Z, right. back and, and, and and at least with this instance, they were very clear on like one week and one hour ago. Yeah, almost they were clear on. I'm like, okay, yeah, it made a lot more sense when they were doing it, but you had to pay attention a lot. So if yeah. you if you saw this episode the first time, you might have been a little confused. I know I was, and I had to do a rewatch of it just to make sure. And still, I was feeling a little confused because as they kick off this episode. They start at Alexandria. Yeah. And then we see that Lydia is trying to leave Pat. Yeah, so actually it's it's Hilltop. Oh, uh, that's right. Hilltop. She's getting ready to leave for the Commonwealth because we remember last week the Commonwealth representative came up there, at, offered you know help uh, to Maggie and Hilltop. Maggie did not take it, but still some people were still taking the offer and leaving. And Lydia decided, you know what? I'm going to go live with the Commonwealth. Maggie gave her a map to a Commonwealth checkpoint. She's getting ready to leave. And you've got uh, Marco, played by Gustavo Gomez, and then Elijah, played by uh, OK, OKEA. Uh, M A Akari A K W A R I, who are the lookout men. They're on they're on guard duty at the front gates, and they're like, "Hey, where are you going?" And she tells them, and blah blah blah. And you can very clearly tell Elijah's got the hots for her. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's very much interested. You know, uh, Marco looks at him and goes, "Shoot your shot." You know, he offers to go with her. Oh, why? Well, you know, it's a long walk. And then Marco goes, "Oh, someone someone's approaching." And you see, you hear, you don't see it at first. You hear the horse uh, hooves uh, galloping. And then you see somebody come out of the tree line. Do we know who it is? They take out binoculars. They look at it and they go, no, it's not anybody we recognize. So they pull out their bows and arrows. This is, this is after they did a really cool opening sequence where they're taking out zombies walking towards the thing and the arrow shoots in the air and it hits it up while the camera's upside down. Yeah, that was a cool shot. Cool shot. You know, so they're like, you know, who, Hulk, who are you? Announce your presence. You know, all that stuff. Dude doesn't listen, but the horse comes to a stop because the horse knows, hey, I'm not going to get shot over this. Mm-hmm. You know, the horse comes to a stop and the rider falls to the ground and he's very bloodied, you know, from his, I believe it was his, his left, our right uh, shoulder, Correct. shoulder, you know, and, and Lydia runs up to him and goes, he, you know, they all come, the other two guards dudes come out and she goes, he's been shot, get help, get help. And he, uh, this dude just looks at Lydia and says, devils, they're slaughtering them liars and he hands this sheet of paper up to her and dies right then in there and she's like what the hell yeah it was very confusing like i said they do so many time jumps that's why i thought they were in alexandria for a hot minute yeah even though it's hilltop i need to remember that but like i said they jumped around a lot yeah and it's one thing that with this episode they were doing a lot of different takes because they we were focusing more on aaron and now how he's getting more involved with the commonwealth yeah and this whole scenario, we were introduced to, is this now his commander, Toby? I mean, yeah, I would say so. So we now have, like, the Daryl equivalent of the Commonwealth, at least in my opinion. Uh, Toby, who's played by Jason Butler Harner. Uh-huh. And apparently he is CIA trained. Right. So this is going to come into play a little later. And they have this assignment that they are now supposed to go 
to a apartment complex. Yep. And it's basically a recruitment mission. Yeah, which on paper makes sense. It does because as we talked about last episode, they've been doing this thing with the Commonwealth that they're trying to recreate the United States. Yeah, slowly. Yep, and they're just trying to recruit everybody and anybody to come to the Commonwealth, yeah. which I still think is a little bit wild. It's a little overzealous. Yeah, but it is what it is. And you see that Aaron is going there. And along the way, they go meet up with an old friend, uh-huh. Father Gabriel. Yeah. Which, I mean, the back and forth between Aaron, who I don't care what anybody is saying, he's playing the Rick role right now. Yeah. Uh, they wind up having a talk. Gabriel gets recruited to come with him. Yeah. Because he's trying to get told that they're a religious group. Yep. And they think, well, hey, we have a father. You're a priest. You're a religious man. Yes. This will be great. Come along. What could go wrong? Exactly. And then as they start going along, they do go into the building. Uh-huh. And when they get into this building, well, they get kind of captured. Oh, they, they don't so much get captured as, like, the group that comes out. You know, they they first they get near the place. They're looking at it. They don't like the looks of it because it looks, you know, harmless enough. Yeah. But they take a look. They're like, all right, there's a lot of vantage points, and if we get in the wrong position there. They're going to mow us down. The soldiers set up camp. Uh, Aaron is worried about this. He says, why, why is there, why are they setting up camp? What if we need them to which the head, you know, dude in charge pulls, <laughs> pulls out a walkie talkie and, and calls out the commander or officer's name and says, uh, report in. And he goes, yes, sir. And so they have walkie talkies. So they got it covered. Of course. But they go up to the door. They make their presence announced like, Hey, we're from the Commonwealth. We're here to help. We'd like to speak with someone inside. And this is what caught my attention. The uh, person they sent out to meet them, we don't know who she is, but it is a woman, you know, shaved head. She's carrying a fucking scythe. Yeah. What the shit? Yeah, at this point, this is where the meme goes. At this point, you know. You you fucked up. You fucked up. So they are now expendable, as it appears, Uh because the Commonwealth crew is now setting up camp outside. So there's like. The soldiers are setting up camp. The, I guess, entourage that's meeting this this crew is captured. They, mm. They're they forced to hand over all their weapons. And this chick takes one look at Aaron and his, and his ball chain fist in hand. And she just kind of looks, gives him this look. And he goes, listen, it's a real pain in the ass to take this thing off. And she just goes, okay. Yeah. So they wind up going to meet up with the leader, Ian. Uh-huh. And basically... This is where the only diplomacy is happening. If you can even call it that. If you can, because Ian's basically like, okay, get the hell out of here. Like, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Well, first first he kind of entertains their, their whole spiel for like 30 seconds. Yeah, I was going to say. And then he's like, yeah, you're full of shit. Yeah. So meanwhile, you have Aaron and Gabriel are trying to do the right thing. You have Toby, who is sitting there just eyeballing the hell out of the situation. Yeah. And then you have Jesse, who I believe is the young kid that was at the uh, beginning of the show, uh-huh. the one that was on horseback. Yeah. So they're all kind of sitting there watching, and you see that Aaron and Gabriel are basically negotiating, like, "Hey, we get you. Don't want any part of us. We just want to go. Yeah. And leave." And then Toby goes completely off the rails. Uh huh. Killing. He goes, he goes full John Wick. Yeah, he goes John Wick. So now, bang, like I said, bang bang, we now have the Daryl equivalent of the Commonwealth. I thought it was Mercer. No, no. This was straight up Beta. This is straight up, you know, uh, Negan's right-hand man there. This is the guy that is going there, and he's wiping everybody out in precision form. Yeah. 
And and Aaron and, and uh, Gabriel are like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, because they were trying to negotiate. Because Aaron initially goes, you know, it's a bit like the old world. 50,000 people living there. We have a functioning government. Walls. Housing for everybody. Two working movie theaters. You know, and he does. he's not buying what he is. And he pulls out a fucking iPhone that's working. Yeah. And shows him photos. And I'm like, yo, that's kind of crazy. You know, and then Ian goes, oh, soldiers too? And I'm like. Does he have eyes on the soldiers? Did he see them come in with them? You know, he goes, soldiers too? And churches too, I take it. Because while Gabriel's not wearing his collar, Ian puts two and two together. And then he goes, oh, if it's a bit like the old world, I guess they must have hookers and gambling in a a shit side of town where people are swapping needles. And I'm like, okay, valid question, but yikes. Well, that's the whole thing. At this stage in the zombie apocalypse, like, all bets are off about what you remember of like pre-zombie life, because we're at this stage. It's it's been years. Yeah, and I can understand why Ian was doing this, but this is why like Toby became such an interesting character because he was unhinged. Oh yeah, like this is the thing. Like he might have been like the easiest equivalent I can describe this bullseye from Daredevil. Yes, easiest way I can describe because he's like he's working the part, seems normal, and then he just snaps. And then even after he kills Ian, he's kicking a dead man. Uh huh. Reasons, yeah. So, a little, little unhinged. Oh, little unhinged to say the least. But then this is where the kid takes off, trying to get out of there and warn everybody that hey, this is not what we signed up for. And they shoot him in the shoulder. So that dude you remember from took off on horseback. So that dude you remember from the start of the episode shot in the shoulder. There we go. Yes. So he wind up taking off, and then we see that everybody's like, okay, what are we doing here? Yep. You see that the whole uh, entourage of Lydia, who's trying to go find out what's going on here, they come across a bunch of soldiers with their throats slit. Yeah, and and so it's Lydia and all them, and we there's a moment uh, in the, while they're driving up there before they run into this, where we kind of get we start to get an idea of why Maggie's so fucking hard nailed as she is, because she tells this whole story. She she goes, oh, you know, she opens up a little bit. Mm-hmm. She talks about how oh, I grew up on a farm with my father and, and my sister. And she tells this story about how there was a drought one time and things were really hard. And this corporation came by to try and buy them out, but they wouldn't offer. And the drought got worse. And so they offered food, but dad let it rot. And yada, yada. And she tells this whole story. And eventually the drought ended. And while the drought was going on, they offered three times what the farm was worth because they knew it would be profitable. Her dad didn't take it. You know, but the, the drought ended. The farm got better. And the, and the uh, corporation never bothered him again. You know, so it's like, oh, this is why she's so hard-headed as she is. Gets it from her dad. Yeah, it made sense. So, like, I had no problem with this part of here. Yeah. But, like I said, we go back to the complex. Aaron has now escaped. Yeah. So he's running with people chasing well, him. Well, because he stood down the dude and was, like, ready to fight him. Pulls out the – I think that was a Desert Eagle. Yeah. Pulls out the Desert Eagle. And if you want – because I missed it the first time. But if you look at it the second time, you can tell it's empty before he fires. Mm. You know, he goes to fire. Click, click, click. Oh, well, shit. Aaron goes to attack him, but a gun, but approaching soldiers uh, from the Commonwealth start firing at him. He takes off in, in the woods. Yes, but Gabriel is still in the place uh, captured. Yep. But when they go back in, Gabriel is gone. Uh huh. And you do see a dead soldier on the ground. Yeah, because what what is it? He's like every time I turn around. Yes. And then we get a little backstory because well, our escapee uh, Jesse, I believe his name. Yep. Runs into an old friend uh-huh. as he's escaping. And, uh-huh. and who is that old friend? Negan! Jeffrey Dean Morgan comes in to save the day. And it's kind of a weird thing here because he's, like, at peace. 
This is like post Thanos snap Thanos. Uh-huh. He's just like, okay. Like, what are you doing here? And then there he's then the kids explaining, like, okay, well, there there's a guy, you know, that's a priest, and there's another one, and he's got a missing a hand, and he's like, Oh, Aaron and Gabriel? Like, what what what's going on here? Yeah. And he gets the map, and then he's like, okay. And meanwhile, the kid's like bleeding, and he's like, okay, you get this map, you send it to go Hilltop. To, go to Hilltop and talk to Maggie. Don't talk to anybody but Maggie. Yeah, you get this to Maggie, and Maggie will take care of this. And meanwhile, Negan and his now group that he's with yeah. decide to go to the apartment complex himself yep. and go make some friends. And we find out that Negan is the one to save Gabriel. Uh-huh. Which I'm going, okay, how did you get in the complex if everybody's around the camp? Soldiers, reasons? Went, uh, from, what I, from what I'm guessing, I think he went in the back because the woman who was with him, you know, I don't, we don't know. I don't, who, they never explained they her. Never, they never said who her name was, but the woman who was with him was on lookout. So while he's saving Gabriel and they're standing there, they see what happens to Aaron outside in the, in the yard, courtyard. And Gabriel wants to leave, but Negan's like, no, we got to get the fuck out of here. And then the check goes, hey, two approaching, we got to go. So it must have been one of those things like in a stealth video game, like Splinter Cell or something like that, that like you've got the guards on a patrol and they're following a certain path and it's just a lapse. So like, hey, there's nobody covering the back door at that moment. I know you didn't see the movie, but this reminded me about Michael Myers and Halloween Kills, how he got back in the house after sure. everybody is sure. around that house. Sure. Reasons, folks. Reasons. Let's say we also find out why exactly we're here in another flashback. Uh, so we get a flashback to where it says one week and one hour ago, uh, Carlson meets with Hornsby in his office. He's talking about how, you know, oh, my God, Milton to agree to this whole communal project, you know, out in the Hicks in Virginia. She's given him a lot of resources. He goes and a quote, and I used some of them to send out a convoy full of supplies for that other thing. Convoy didn't check in last week. So I sent out scouts to see what happened. It was hijacked. Troopers guarding it all dead. Uh, you know, so he, he sent out scouts and this is where he found this building we're currently at. So he's convinced that the folks living there that he's like, Oh, they're a real crazy type. They've got, uh, you know, a a warlord essentially ruling over them and they're very religious mass on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the guy he's talking to goes, Oh, they're real, they're real religious then. And he's not talking to anybody. He's talking to a former CIA operative. Yeah. Oh my God. Toby Carlson is going to be one of those interesting characters on this show because, like I say, maybe he's not the Commonwealth's Daryl, but yeah. he's Lance's Daryl. I would say he's almost like Morgan, where he because he he because Carlson comes in there and Toby starts instantly. Hornsby starts pouring bottles of whiskey or something. Yeah, he starts something and he offers him a drink. He goes, "No." He goes, "So he's four years sober. Sober. He's retired. He's zen. You know, he's like." I'm good. I'm I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I don't want to get into that life anymore. So it reminds me a little bit of Morgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can see a little bit of that, but it was just an interesting dynamic that you, you added to the show because, like I said, I thought Mercer would be the big enforcer, but it's actually going to be Toby, which is going to yeah. be kind of crazy. Yeah. Because, like I said, he's John Wick, and, like, we've already had John Wick moments on this show. <coughs> so, obviously, somebody's going to lose to Daryl in this equation, so it's going to be Toby. But we do get this whole unique meeting up because basically Maggie and her company is now coming to the complex as well. Yep. Because Aaron escapes, catches up with them and basically says, Hey, this is what happened. And they go, Hey, we got the bloody map. Hey, all right, let's go save the day reasons. Uh huh. And that's kind of how the show ends. It's kind of a weird setup with that. Yeah. You know, like I say, I, 
they did a lot of time jumping because they left it as a cliffhanger with Negan and Gabriel and, and yep. that group is yep. still in the building. You still have the troops around the building and trying to work their way in. Right, and we also don't know who took the caravan and the supplies because they start inter- the, the troopers from the Commonwealth and the head dude start interviewing everyone that's in the building. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot they threw them off the building. They threw them off the fucking building, but they interrogate everybody about them, and they're all like, no, we don't know anything about it. We didn't take them, which might be under duress. You never know. Sure. But then when Negan and Maggie and all them are talking to some folks that are there because if we find out Negan has joined up with their group, this is the group he's been hanging out with since he left out. Alexandria, they go talking like, listen, some Maggie or one someone from her group says, yeah, we talked, we talked to them. They don't know anything about this convoy. They never took anything from it. So we've got a missing convoy with military supplies and we don't know who took it. I'm going to guess it's Rick Grimes. <laughs> I, he's the new Mephisto of this universe. So if anything goes wrong here, it's Rick. Yeah, fair enough. Because I mean, I, this is kind of an interesting setup as they're going, because as we are recording, they only have, what, three more episodes, and then they're at the, uh, the mid-break again? Something like that, yeah. So they're going to drag this out for a little bit, I feel. Like, you're going to be stuck in this apartment complex for an, at least one more episode, if not two. Would, I'd say maybe half of the next episode. Yeah. Oh, would, well, that would be the only way to make sense, because now with everybody now at this complex, and you're going to have this weird standoff of, like, who's coming out alive. And I guarantee you, they better go kill somebody off, because if everybody walks home out of this... yeah. This is going to be a letdown. Like, I'm sorry, folks. This is a walking or dead the, universe. Or at the least lose a limb. Something crazy's got to happen here. Like, y- to make this all worthwhile. Like, if you're going to drag this portion of the story out for two episodes, and they are, you got to have some kind of big consequence. Like, this is why I say I, I preach about the fear of the walking dead. Because they're not afraid to take chances and kill major characters off. Yeah. This is a situation much like that one season premiere where everybody's down in the cave surrounded by thousands of zombies and everybody gets out alive. Or fuck, even Black Summer on uh, Netflix. They're not afraid to kill anybody. Well, that's the whole point. Like, if you live in this uh, zombie apocalyptic world, you can't be afraid to take those chances as writers to do this. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It can't be too perfect. And that's why one thing that just irritates the shit out of me about this show is that you have those moments where it's like, okay. Don't be afraid. Like, the first couple seasons, you followed the books because the books didn't care. Right. So, like, I'd like to see that come in this season and, you know, obviously the finale. Like, we do know some certain people are going to survive. Obviously, Ma- uh, Maggie, Negan, Daryl, Carol, everybody's good because they got the spinoff shows. Everybody else should be fair game. So, I'd like to see that happen here. But we're going to kind of have to see what happens next week with this episode because they kind of left everything hanging a little bit. So... That being said, final thoughts on the episode, Pat? Really enjoyed the episode. A uh, little confusing at first, but upon the second read, reminded me a little bit of the movie Vantage Point, if you've ever seen that movie. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, but once I watched it the second time, it made a ton of sense, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, you had to watch this one a couple times. Uh, so I understand what they're doing. I'm not completely hating on that. It's just I, I'm expecting more for the final season. Like, that's in my head. Then you talk about the great shows that have been on AMC that have had great season finales, series finales even, Breaking Bad. Rhyme exam. Uh huh. The bar is set. You got to do something, especially if you're doing 24 episodes. Like, this needs to end in a big way. We got to start picking up the pace and really having those big moments. I'm hoping this is going to lead to it because, like I said, you have a very dynamic uh, character in Toby who is completely unhinged, could definitely cause some trouble. He is, like I said, that beta character. You know, I forgot Negan's right hand man there. It's not Dwight, oh, but, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. the other one there. Yeah. Like you have guys like that on this show, or characters like that on the show, rather, I should say, that can really go some places and do some stuff. 
So that's what they need to do here, especially if Hornsby and company are trying to recreate the United States in the zombie apocalypse. So I'm hoping next week really ties this in together and really gives us a big payoff. But to be determined, dot, dot, dot. Uh-huh. So we gave you our takes about The Walking Dead, episode entitled Warlords. So here's up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about The Walking Dead? How you liking the last season? And how you like this episode? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? I got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is the uh, Hogwarts Legacy PlayStation State of Play that took place uh, this past week. And holy fucking shit, give this to me now. Yeah, you were amped about this one. Oh my god, this looks incredible. So this is the this is the video game I have waited my entire life to play. From the time I read the books to watching the movies and even playing some of the video games that are tied in with the movies... I have always wanted that experience, because I'm never going to get it, to be a student at Hogwarts, to go through the classes and get sorted into one of the houses. This game is going to give it to you because you get a fully customizable character. You get to create how they look. You're going to get sorted into one of the houses, and then you're going to start off. It turns out in your fifth year, you're starting late. You're going to be in your fifth year, and you're going to be going to classes and learning spells and all this other stuff. It looks fucking amazing. That like I highly recommend you check out the gameplay trailer that they released for this. Oh my god, it looks it looks amazing. I just simply cannot wait for this. Uh it's supposed to come out holiday this year. It looked dope. I got to admit, like I you're one of the biggest Harry Potter guys I know. I know you were amped to see this. Uh-huh. It, this looked okay. Like yeah. I like I say for me, I'm my fandom is not as big as yours. So it's not right. a knock on it. I was like, okay, this looks kind of interesting. Oh yeah. Uh so sticking with some more video games news, uh the next entry in the Witcher video game series appears to be in development, uh as was announced by the folks over at CD Project Red. This was announced on Monday. They didn't give any information on what platform or when it will be out, uh but they did release a teaser image for the game, you know, which will be known as Witcher 4. Mm-hmm. Uh it is a medallion uh with glowing red eyes and in a field of snow uh and with the tagline a new saga begins. Uh, They also announced that instead of using the engine they had been using, uh, Red Engine, uh, they're switching to Unreal Engine 5 uh, for the next uh, game. So it should look fan-fucking-tastic. I was going to say how you feel about that. I like it. Unreal Engine is one of the better engines. I like the look of it, and I like the way it plays. So it should be great. Uh, Does not appear that they're going to be continuing with Geralt, because obviously, hey, 
not going to spoil the end of the third game because you should fucking absolutely play it. Uh, the medallion is different than what, the one Geralt wears, so I don't think it's going to be Geralt in this one. Maybe it's Siri. Maybe it won't be. We'll find out. Looks really fucking good. Cannot wait uh, whenever the hell this comes out. Although, the, I got to admit, with it being from CD Projekt Red, who did put out Cyberpunk 2077, it does feel like, a, hey, ignore the shitstorm we created. Here's another Witcher game. Yeah, well, you know, all eyes are going to be on them with this one. Because, obviously, when you have such a big franchise like The Witcher, yeah. you are, and especially coming off the drama with the last game, uh-huh. you got to deliver. Like I say, the chips are all in on the table for them. Yep. Uh, also, sticking with Witcher video game news, it appears one of the final Easter eggs in Witcher 3 was discovered seven years after it was initially released in 2015. Really? Yeah, so uh, YouTube user X Letalis uh, discovered that there's a character, now if you're not familiar, there's a character in the game in one of the DLCs called Vivian. Uh, it's a quest called the Warble of Smitten Knight. Uh, Geralt finds her half turned into a bird. He offers to lift the curse. Geralt warns Vivian, though, like, hey, I'll lift it, but you're only going to live as long as the animal does as a result. So, like, human live to, like, 80, 90, 100 years old or whatever. Birds don't necessarily live that long. Mm -hmm. Come to find out that uh, if you you go back to the game seven years after you finish the mission or 2,500 days, or you simply change the internal clock on your computer or your gaming console, you go to uh, find... uh, you find Vivian, this character, dead in Yennefer's room. So come to find out, that, like, it's this fun little Easter egg that the, uh, what is it? The, where is it? Where is his name? Uh, there it is. Uh, Philip Weber, who is CD Projekt Red's acting lead quest designer, uh, did confirm that, yeah, no, that's that's one of the last Easter eggs. Interesting. He told IGN, quote, I'm not sure if it's the last secret, but it for sure is pretty close. Everyone hid so many details during the last months of development that people are probably still going to find something new one day. For sure, this is the Easter egg I hid the most out of all of the ones I did. So it's quite impressive it was finally found, close quote. So insane that we're still getting Easter eggs out of a video game that came out in 2015, but I love it. Yeah, that's wild. That's absolutely wild, but I mean, kudos to that. <laughs> yeah. That's when you're putting some work in if you got yeah. an Easter egg that's this far gone and now oh, it's like yeah. now coming out. Uh, and then sticking with some more video game news and some unfortunate news, uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has officially been delayed to spring 2023. Hmm. Uh, reading from an article on IGN.com, it says Suicide Squad the Kill, Kill the Justice League has officially been delayed to spring 2023, confirming previous reports. Creative director Sefton Hill tweeted to confirm what we'd already heard, but added a spring release window to narrow down when we'll finally get to see the co-op action game's long-awaited release. So, uh, he said, quote, I know delaying a delay is frustrating, but that time is going into making the best game we can. I look forward to bringing the chaos to Metropolis together. Thanks for your patience. Close quote. So, unfortunate news. I mean, this game has been in absolute fucking development hell. Uh, it was first announced that a game, that a, a Suicide Squad game, or a game was getting worked on in 2010 by Jeff Johns. Was not said what it was. 2012, they said they're working on a Suicide Squad game. Nothing was really heard of from then until DC Fandom in 2020, where it was announced that it's, you know, from Rocksteady, who, of course, did the Batman Arkham games, you know, and that was supposed to come out in 2021. Then it got delayed to 2022, and now it's delayed to 2023. So, Lord knows when we'll actually ever see this game. Yeah, it's going to be one of those games that when you have it, you have it. Yeah. And that's kind of like, it's like the Flash movie for me. Yeah. I don't believe that movie is coming out. You can show me all the trailers you you want, but until I am actually in a theater watching it, I'm still not believing it's happening. I have the same feeling towards this video game. 
until it's in my player and I am playing it, I don't believe it's coming out. Right. I want to be proved wrong. Yeah. So, and as, as long as they get it right the first time, because I don't want them to go, well, you know, we didn't get the engine set up for this, so you it's going to You don't want to cyberpunk Yeah, it. exactly, because if they do that and they cyberpunk this, I'm going to lose my crap on social uh-huh. media about this. Oh, yeah, understandable. Uh, and then sticking with the whole DC family, uh, it was announced today by the folks over at Variety that Supernatural alumni Misha Collins uh, is going to be joining Gotham Knights to play the one, the only, District Attorney Harvey Dent. Let's go. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, correct me, hashtag ODPHpod, I think this is the first casting we've gotten for this show. Could uh, be. I think so. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be playing uh, Two-Face, a.k.a. Harvey Dent. Uh, reading from Variety.com, quote, per the official description for the Gotham Knights character, dashing with a swagger, Harvey Dent is Gotham's charismatic, hard-charging district attorney. With a rigid sense of right and wrong, Harvey's idealism and single-minded quest for justice will ironically and tragically transform him into one of Gotham's most feared supervillains, Two-Face. Uh, Misha Collins on uh, Instagram po- or tw- uh, Twitter post did say, quote, I've asked my ver- if my version of the character could be wearing a beige trench coat over the gray suit. Uh, this was along with a Harvey Dent Two-Face figurine. He went on to say, quote, I'm just not sure I'll be comfortable in front of a camera without one. Hashtag new TV gig. Hashtag Gotham Knights. I'm all right for this. I'm all in. I'm all in. Give it to me. Looks awesome. He, he crushed it on Supernatural, so I'm here for this one. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, there will be a uh, Marvel movie streaming on HBO Max. What? Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, the second film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, specifically The Incredible Hulk, is going to be available to stream on HBO Max April 1st. Uh, it, that means it won't be joining the rest of the MCU films on Disney Plus anytime soon, which is surprising. I figured they'd work out a deal by now. Yeah. But, it, but it's a little interesting that we're going to get a Marvel MCU film, official Marvel MCU film on HBO Max. A little weird. It's weird, but, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of people don't consider that movie part of canon. Like, it's a weird thing amongst fans. I've yeah. talked to people about this, and they and they try ducking it because, well, Mark Ruffalo took the role. It's not Ed Norton, blah, blah, blah. I, like, listen, it's part of canon. We have to accept this by now. It I might mean, not be you everybody's. Ex- you accept Iron Man 2 as canon, and the role of the role of uh, War, Machine. Switch, War Machine switched to Don, Don Cheadle. Yeah, like, I've had this talk with fans online at Odie Parlay Hour, and I'm like, listen, I understand you don't like this movie, and, and and a lot of people do. Like, me, I thought it was okay. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, a hater of it. This isn't Thor the Dark World for me. Which one was it? Was it that one or the other one that was in the 2000s that was doing the comic book style scene cuts? Oh, that was the Ang Lee okay, yeah. Hulk. That was trash. That was the one I Sorry. saw. That was the one I saw on TV, and I'm like, "This is." I watched all of maybe two minutes of it. Saw the comic book style scene transitions, and I went, "This is fucking awful." Yeah, no, that one I I have very very anger issues towards. Like, I'm sorry, like not my kind of movie. Like what they did there. But for this one, like, listen, it makes some sense because obviously the rights are not technically all Disney for no, the Hulk. And no, the distribution rights, I think, are still with Universal. Yeah, it's like between Hulk and Namor, I think, are like the only two characters not fully Hulk, under the house. Hulk's not Namor. To this day, I have yet to hear a clear answer on who has his rights. Right. Like for 10, 15 years, I've never heard a clear answer of who has Namor's rights. Yeah, because allegedly he's going to be in the Black Panther sequel. Allegedly. Right. right, right. So... You know, maybe we'll get some answers here. So this one didn't shock me too much, but like, listen, eventually it'll come back home to the mouse. Yeah, I don't think anybody's really putting up a big storm on fandom about it. Well, I mean, in theory, if if the contracts with let's just say hypothetical Universal owns the rights to them, if the contract with Universal works in the same way it did with Fox and Sony, it should have reverted to Marvel by now because they've done fuck all with them. You would think, but 
Also, the Hulk would because they've done fuck all with him. Yeah, exactly. He's well, been in, he's been in Marvel movies, but Universal has not put out a Hulk film since like the early two thousands. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the time frame is like the Daredevil deal about that. So I thought it was once every like three to five years. I thought it had to be once every five years. It was like it was like once every three to five years. That's why it's, I know in some of the Spider Man movies, like I remember when they were going from Spider Man three to Spider Man four with the Raimi ones. Sam Raimi wanted more time on it, but because of the way the contract worked so when Sam Raimi wanted the movie to come out, it would have violated the terms of the contract and like the length of time they had to go between like the length of time would have been too long and the rights would have reverted back to Marvel. So I, who the fuck knows? Yeah, it's a weird thing, but hey, if you're on HBO Max, you can enjoy it because, you know, once everything goes discovery too, it's going to be a little funny there. Uh-huh. Just saying. All right. So for my one shots, I caught up with DMZ this week. Nice. Speaking of HBO Max. Uh, so spoiler free review. I thought it was okay. Okay. I wasn't in love with it, even though I thought there was some strong performances <laughs> from Rosario Dawson and Benjamin Bratt, but I was not completely blown away by this. And it's been a long time since I've read the book. I was going to try doing a reread of it, but life happens. So that being said, I went in this kind of cold and it was all right. Like I, it, it, it didn't really like wow me. But a couple, like I said, the performances really stood out to me. It just kind of felt like they were trying to rush the ending a little bit too. Sure. Because it was four episodes. And they did leave it open if they want to try continuing the story. I don't know if they're going to or not, like however that's going to play out. I thought it was shot uh, beautifully though. I think the cinematography was amazing on this. Right. But overall, I was kind of like, well, it's all right. And that's kind of where I went into it. If they did another one, I probably would watch it. But I'm not sitting there like... Give it to me. Give it to me now. Right, right. So that being said, if you're looking for a short series to watch on HBO Max, give DMZ a shot. Hit me up on hashtag ODPHpod. Let me know what you thought of it. Like I said, I thought it was okay. I didn't go, wow, but I thought it was okay. But speaking of streaming shows, this Thursday, we have one that is, I got to admit, when I first heard about this show, I kind of went, ah, okay. And now we are here. And that is on Paramount Plus, and it is the show Halo. Yeah. Based off the video game franchise. That has been in development hell for probably going on two decades at this point. Eons. That's how it feels like. Paulo Schreiber is playing Master Chief in the title role, and this looks really, really good. Yeah. If you've ever played the video game, this really looks like it's straight out of the, the cartridge. Like, oh, it, yeah. it's it's that spot on with it. Pad, you got a little more info on that? No, yeah, so I'm just with the development of it, because I remember way back when Peter Jackson at one point being tied to this fucking thing. Mm. Uh, so this is from the Wikipedia article uh, for the television series uh, under the development section for production. Uh, quote, the television series has gone through development hell with a planned release in 2015 with Steven Spielberg as producer. Then that later changed to a 2019 release with Rupert Wyatt as director and producer. Uh, then a 2020 release. The show is now currently planned to air in 2020 with Otto Bathurst replacing Wyatt. Uh, and on May 21st, 2013, Steven Spielberg was attached to an executive producing a television series based on the video game franchise Halo, distributed by Xbox Entertainment Studios and Spielberg's company Amblin Television to be titled Halo, the television series. As of 2015, the series had still been in active development. Uh, there was Showtime had given a 10-episode series order in June of 2018. 
like I said, this show, this whole series has been in development hell because I remember back in either the early to like late two thousands, early twenty tens, whatever it was, that at one point there was a movie plan for this. Peter Jackson was originally attached to it, and that's part of the reason why initially he couldn't do the Hobbit films. Was mm-hmm. they, they, Warner Brothers wanted to do the Hobbit films. They were going to do the Hobbit films because they got the rights to do the Hobbit films. And they wanted Peter Jackson to do it, but he's like, oh, sorry, I can't. I'm going to be busy doing the Halo movie. And then that fell through because that went through absolute development hell. He's like, oh, hey, I'm able to do the Hobbit movie now. But they've been trying to work on this goddamn thing for two decades, it feels like. It definitely does, but it looks really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a couple of mixed reviews online, but a lot of people overwhelmingly are saying this definitely looks like the futuristic war video yeah. game of humans versus aliens that we all fell in love with with the Xbox. So I definitely want to go check it out. Nine episodes yeah. debuting on Paramount Plus this Thursday, March I'm definitely 24th. checking it out. I'm definitely making a point to check that out. And last on my stuff, it's a big week at the comic shops. So definitely want to plug a few books. The first one, and I'm so mad we didn't get the press copy. Oh. And I'm going to send an email out to, uh, not not to anybody we're affiliated, but I definitely want to try getting back on this. Godzilla versus Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, good Lord. Cullen Bunn and Freddie Williams are doing the book. It looks freaking awesome. That's insane. Yeah, I'm definitely super excited to go check this out. If you've been reading Parlay Points and the comics reviews, Cullen Bunn is a staple on that column. I think he does fantastic work. Definitely want to go check it out. Also, I didn't get a chance to deep dive into it, but Blue Lullaby by Chad Perkins and Andrea Monteo. Okay. Montano. Uh, that is out now, too, so that looks like a very interesting book as well, so I want to go uh, take a look at that. Also, coming out from Valiant Studios, or Valiant Entertainment, I should say Studios, it is Ar- Armorclads. Now, Pad, this one I might be up your alley because okay. it kind of has like a Halo vibe to it. Sure. And that is Armorclads, number one, from Valiant Entertainment, written by J.J. O'Connor and Brian Bussolato, mm-hmm. and art by Manuel Garcia. Okay. You can kind of see the cover here. Ooh. So this one definitely has some very cool art to it. Uh, kind of a Halo vibe in its own right. It's a very interesting story. Uh, it's set in a different solar system in the Valiant universe. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like a crossover coming later. It's a fun read. It definitely caught my attention. It's got a, a really cool couple twists into it. So once this book gets going, I think you're going to see a bigger payoff. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where they're going to go with that. So Armor Class number one is out right now, too. Uh, Power Rangers Universe number four. Obviously, we've been talking about that for a long time. So if you're a big Power Rangers fan, you should be checking the book out. Another fun issue going on there. And last but not least, man, I was super excited. We got put on the press for this, too. Scott Snyder. Francis Manipal. Oh, boy. Clear number five. Now. Ah, shit. Stop throwing things. You know how much of a Scott Snyder fan I am. And everything that he has been dropping on the Comixology Unlimited uh, Originals run uh, from Best Jacket Press yeah. has been a home run thus far. Night of the Ghoul is a, is a masterpiece of a horror comic. Clear is a sci-fi uh, little murder mystery going on. Right. This issue really delivers. If you've been reading it, because it's now at issue five, a lot of things get answered. So a lot of stuff that we weren't sure about going into the finale, which I believe is going to be uh, issue six, that is going to have a big payoff. I'm kind of hoping they go longer to it, but you know, I think that they're going to wrap up the shop at six. This has been a fantastic read. The art is phenomenal. Uh, Manipal is absolutely killing it in this issue too. So if you haven't checked this series out, definitely go do that. 
Uh, it's on Comixology Unlimited. And right now at the comic shops. Now, note how I word this, Pat. Yeah. We have Demons number 1 by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Now, do you know the big deal about what I just said there? Nope. Okay. This is the first print edition of this book. Oh. When they announced the deal with Comixology, Snyder and Capullo came out with We Have Demons. So that was the first lead-in that they did. The book is is freaking fantastic, too, by the way. Like, you are going to be absolutely blown away by this book. I was. And then at New York Comic Con, uh, Snyder and Capullo, I was at their panel. And they were both talking about how this was coming eventually to print via Dark Horse Comics. Because the one thing they were saying is, you know, visual or, you know, virtual comics, like Comixology, which is a great service. I'm a subscriber, so I'm a very proud member of that. Uh, is a great way to get comics into readers' possessions. But to have the print copy is another story, too, because as a collector, you like having those copies. Yeah. So now the book is finally out on print. So okay. they're going to be dropping each three issues uh, via Dark Horse Comics, and then the trade paperback is coming out after that. Okay. And I'm assuming they're going to be doing this with all the right. uh, Best Jacket Press books as right. well. So if you need something to pick up, Highest possible recommendation for We Have Demons. I fucking love that book. Yes, I'm dropping swear words. I know that Snyder and Capullo are doing a signing at Midtown Comics tonight. We've seen the pictures. Man, they got a big turnout, and rightfully so. I'm super happy about this book. I will preach this to the high heavens. Fingers crossed, putting the karma out in the universe. Scott Snyder's got to come through the ODPH. I'm just going to put that out there. But there's so much good stuff at the comic shops this week. Go support them. Go support them on Comixology, too. A lot of good things if you're a comic reader. You definitely want to get involved with that. So as we say, support your LCS, support your independent podcast to cover comics as well. You know who also checks out comics, Pat? Who's that? Shout out the robots. Hey. They're fantastic people. Where do I find out about them? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. Check out everything I want to show. Everything I want to show. Yard Party. Brian Wolf. Floodlands. Second Sewer. The list goes on and on, but damn, we got some good people on there doing some amazing music that you need to go support. Also, while you're at the website, check out the directory, which Pad. We are on a new provider. Oh. Yes, we are on Ghana. Nice. Yeah, so if you want to check out Ghana, that is a site that you definitely want to get familiar with if you're into podcasts. they got a lot of great stuff on there. We're super happy to be added there as well. We heard people wanting us there. Boom, we signed up. That is how easy the directory works. Dang it. Also, while you're at the website, check out the classifieds. Has friends of the show. Organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups are in. And, of course, shout out to our fam over at 607 Podcasts. You know, Rich from 3FN came through on the sports edition blowing up. Uh-huh. Got a lot of hot takes. Hearing a lot of feedback about that. Love hearing that, too. Especially with the recent uh, moves the Kansas City Chiefs made right after the show. Did they hear the show and get a little, little worried? I think they did. Fuck my life. I, I, I'm with you, man. That move they did today, which we'll be talking about next week on the ODPH. I'm going to have to start making a fucking notes list on my phone. Yeah. It's insane. It's absolutely wild to think. But this is why, you know, when you get Rich coming through, he might have provoked this move. So if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you can shoot him a thank you. You should drop him, a, you know, a few dollars on his Patreon. Patreon.com slash A122Productions and go support him. Go support everybody at 607 Podcast. Do a big things. T Public Store, Parlay Points, you name it if it's ODPH, it's right there at ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one of the one J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.